Go ahead and have a seat this morning as the band also takes a seat. And uh, young people, remember, kids' camp is underway. So if you want to head on out to kids' camp, go ahead. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. If you want to stay here, you're welcome here as well. All right. <coughs> Today we wrap up uh, Joy 365 as we go into the new year, 2010. So let's uh, watch the screens and uh, remind ourselves about that message that angels brought us. night, a holy night. Travelers jostled in the city gates. Weary fists pounded on closed doors, pleading on the outside, arguing from within, all to the same refrain, no room. Among the houses rang raucous Roman laughter, census takers with comfortable quarters, and plenty of food and wine. There is little peace and less goodwill between stranger and villager here. Somewhere a dog barked, a lamb bleated, a woman moaned, and a baby cried. Out on the hillsides, exposed to the cold night, without even a stable for warmth, shepherds huddled around the fire, guarding their flocks against thieves and wolves. Suddenly, a light to split the darkness, a voice, a song, a chorus of angels. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a child, a son, a shepherd, a king, a savior which is Christ the Lord. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill to men. Awaken, O little town that cannot sleep. Hear the shepherd's words. The angel's message. And arise to a sound unfamiliar. The triumph of joy. talking about uh, all this Christmas season, about how do we discover that triumphant joy? How do we have that joy in our lives, not just in this Christmas season, but how does it carry through to be joy 365? And so today it's uh, the last uh, step in the, in the series, and um, it's a huge key for us as we try to do this, uh, the word we get from angels uh, today. The title is Joy 365, uh, Content with Being Favored. And uh, let's go back to the words of angels right away. And uh, remember, this is your last chance. Last time we're going to visit this till next Christmas. So it's your last chance to really get ready for 2010 and let that uh, great good news and great joy come out. So you get the bold part, remember? You ready? Here we go. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. You, uh, this will be assigned to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. Remember what we're talking about. We're talking about good news and great joy, right? God doesn't work in the minimum. He works in the maximum. He doesn't just bring news. He brings good news. He doesn't just bring uh, joy. He brings great joy, right? And so that's what we want to carry through into our lives, 365, 
is that good news, that great joy. Now, to do that and to get this final key, we need to listen one more time to the words of the angels. Only this time, not to those particular words of just one angel, but to take one more step forward in the text and look at what happens uh, next in in the text. Okay, so go ahead. There it is. If you look at that in Luke 2, this is what happens the very next step. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel. How many appeared with the angel? Too many to number, right? A great company. That's the Bible's way of saying, look, there were so many angels filling the sky, there was no way to even count them. You know, you couldn't get your clicker out there and just go one, two, three, four, five. There's just no way. You could never do it. It's a great company. The sky was absolutely filled with the words and the presence of angels. Do you think God wants to make sure that those shepherds heard this final piece of the message that the angels bring? So much so that he fills the sky. Not just one angel now. We're going to have a whole company of angels speaking to us this morning to try and make sure that we don't miss what's happening in this experience of Christmas. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, you ready? You listening? Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. The angels gave us three things right there. Number one, they said, glory to God in the highest, right? That, that this year ought to be about an incredible glory for God. That the glory of God fills not only our lives, but it fills all the way up to the highest place in heaven. That the glory of God is so bright and shines so incredible that nobody can miss it. Number two, it says, it's not only the glory of God in the highest, but on earth peace. So the angels are announcing that because Jesus is in the world now, there's going to be this peace that comes into the world. But then it gives us a direction on who gets the peace. Do you see it in the text? Peace to whom? Those on whom his favor rests. Is it up there? Yeah, it's up there. You can see it right there. See it? Peace on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. Okay, I didn't create it. Great. It's there. So now somebody is going to get peace. Is everybody going to get peace? No, somebody is going to get peace. And the ones that are going to get peace are the ones on whom his favor now rests. That means that because Jesus Christ is in the world now, not only is peace in the world, but something else. Favor is now resting on someone. Do you see that? Jesus came into the world. Peace came into the world. But he also says now... This peace is going to come to particular people, and those particular people are those on whom God's favor rests. Favor now is something that is going to rest in somebody's life. Do you see that? The question, of course, is whom? Who are those ones to whom this peace is coming and to whom this favor is now resting? The Apostle Paul gives us insight in defining that when he wrote to the Philippians. To the Philippians, he said, Then, because you belong to Christ Jesus, God will bless you with peace 
so that no one can completely that no one can completely understand. And this peace will control the way you think and the way you feel. Now, you guys good at algebra? I was a geometry guy myself. Algebra was not, you know, you're one or the other, right? But you remember the old algebra equation? I think it was algebra equation, right? If A equals B and B equals C, A equals C. The answer is C, okay? Right. So if you follow this now, all right, you follow this, we got the angel saying, peace is coming into the world, and those who receive that peace are also receiving favor. Are you with me on that? Now, Paul says that when you receive Jesus Christ into your life and you let him become the Lord and master of your life, you're going to receive peace. So if A equals B and B equals C, A equals C, those who receive peace receive favor. Those who receive Christ are going to also receive not just peace, but favor. Do you get that? See how that works? Yeah, the good news of Christmas, that what the angels want us to understand here, is that when you receive Jesus Christ, not just in Christmas, but when you receive Jesus Christ, when you let Jesus Christ become Lord of life every single day, 365, you become those who receive not only a peace, but you become favored. You become favored now through Jesus Christ, because He's come not only into the world, but because He's also come into your life. Now, favor rests on you. And that means every single day when you wake up for the rest of 2010, you can wake up as long as Christ is Lord of your life and say, I am favored. I am favored. Because Christ is in my life. I am favored because Christ is in charge of my life. I am favored no matter what happens in this day. I am favored because Christ is the one who's the center of my day. The angels don't want us to miss that not only does Christ bring us lordship and a peace that comes with that, but it also brings us a favor. The favor creates our joy 365. We can have that joy 365 because we are favored ones. Which translates then for us into things like being God's favored creates for us a joyfulness that is in contentment. We can have a contentment about life. We can be joyful and just be content about our life. Let me show you how that works. Philippians again. Paul says... I'm not saying this because I am need, for I have learned to be what? Content, okay? He's learned to be content whatever the circumstances. In what kind of circumstances? Whatever they are. So he's saying right here, look, I, I am a follower of Christ. His peace rests upon me. I know that I am favored, and I've learned contentment regardless of the situation regardless of what's going on. And then he gives us insight that his life is just like ours. It goes up and it goes down. He says in verse 12, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. Is his life going up and going down? Just like ours, he's, he's facing a variety of circumstances. Yet he says, regardless of those circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content 
in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. He knows a secret. And that secret leads him to contentment regardless of the situation. What's the secret? Verse 13. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. What's the secret? Christ is in his life. And he has a peace and he knows he's favored. Christ is in his life. And because Christ is in his life, he has a peace about his life. And he knows he's favored. And if he's favored, he can face anything. Regardless of the situation. He knows he's favored. Whatever happens, good, bad, or indifferent. He knows his favor is still there. He still belongs to Christ. And that favor, that confidence in Christ brings him to a place of contentment. I'm content. I am joyful. 365, because no matter what happens, I can do all things through Christ. Now we've got to be careful with that phrase, right? A lot of folks misunderstand what Paul is saying in that phrase. You know, I can do all things through Christ. I can be anything I want to be because of through... That's not what Paul is saying. I learned this lesson just this last year, okay? Here's the way it worked. If you remember at the beginning of the football season, in the first game that my team, the Bears, played, Brian Urlacher, the uh, you know all-star pro Bowl linebacker, was hurt and put out of the game and out for the season, right? It happened up, some team up north of here did that. Thanks, by the way. Uh, anyway, yeah, so that happened. You know, do you know that the following week they didn't call me? They didn't call me and ask me to step in. Even though, since I was a little guy, I said, man, I can do all things through Christ. I can be the middle linebacker of the Chicago Bears. Not going to happen. Why? Not with this body. Right? Not going to happen. I could wake up every day since I was two years old and say, I can do all things through Christ. I'm going to be the middle linebacker of the Chicago Bears. Not going to happen. See, that's that. Paul is not saying in that phrase, look, just because Christ is in your life, you can write a blank check about whatever you want to be. That's not what he means. What he means is, look, because Christ is in your life, you are favored. And because you're favored, you can be content in knowing that whatever happens, Christ is greater. That you can do it. You can face it. You can overcome it. You can deal with it. You can rejoice in it. Whatever life is now, you just got lifted above it. Why? Because you're favored. You're favored. Christ is in your life. And if Christ is in your life, you're favored. And if you're favored, you can do all things through Christ. You can face all situations through Christ, whether it's in plenty or whether it's in want. You can deal with it in Christ because Christ is greater than all things. Paul wants us to understand that we are favored. And that is our strength. That's our joy. That's what keep us, keeps us in contentment. He wrote to uh, young Timothy as Timothy was beginning his ministry. He said to young Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, Yet true godliness with what? Contentment. You see that there? True godliness with contentment is itself 
great wealth. What does Paul consider wealth? Godliness and contentment. You see that? After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. True statement? Uh-huh. We all know that reality, right? So, big word, so, because it's true, because we don't take anything with us, and because what's really of the most value is godliness and contentment, because all of that is true, if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. What's he saying? Being favored is enough. Just knowing that we are favored. Just knowing that God is going to provide for us regardless of what we face is enough. Now, he's not saying, look, the only thing God wants to bring in your life is food and clothing. Of course not. God wants to bring into your life, and we'll see it, whatever you need to be one who brings glory to the highest heaven, like those angels said. But it is enough for us to be content with knowing that we are favored. It's enough for us to know that Christ in our life gives us a joy and a favor and a contentment. And if we get joy in that favor, we get that contentment, we also get a confidence. A confidence. There was a man who was uh, searching for his roots, you know, his family roots, and so he would tour cemeteries to go, you know, see relatives' graves of long ago. And uh, as he toured the cemetery, he passed by and he read the inscription on a very, very old uh, tombstone. It went like this. Pause now, stranger, as you pass by. As you are now, so once was I. As I am now, soon you will be. Prepare yourself to follow me. Cute little ditty, right? Now, what's kind of neat about it is that right next to the tombstone, somebody had, had put another little placard in the ground. That placard said, To follow you I am not content until I know which way you went. You see, for us, we can have... A confidence because we know a secret. That's what Paul's telling us. We can have a confidence in our life because we know a secret. If you look again at Philippians 4, Paul says, I have received full payment and more than enough. I am amply supplied. Now that I have received from Aphrodite the gifts you sent, they are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. Now watch verse 19. And my God will meet all your needs. Does that sound like a confidence statement? See the confidence there? You see, he has a contentment and he has a confidence. My God will meet all your needs. Now notice he qualifies what God's going to do. My God is going to meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Did he say he was going to meet all your needs according to the riches of whatever you want in yourself? No. He said he was going to meet all of your needs. And he was absolutely confident in that, that he would meet all of your needs according to the richness that is in Christ Jesus. What's he saying? He is going to bring you everything you need to bring glory in the highest heaven through Christ Jesus in your life. See, he's, going to, he's confident in this, that God is going to supply you 
with whatever you need? Would you stay content and focused on just Christ being enough in your life? When you say content and focused, he's confident that God's going to bring you everything you need to live your life in a way that brings glory to the highest heaven according to what God wants you to do in this life. According to what Christ wants to work through your time and your energy and your effort. According to what God is about every single day. 2 Corinthians 9. He tries to define it even more clearly. 2 Corinthians 9 says, And God is able to bless you how? Abundantly. That's more than food and clothing, right? And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in how many things? All things, all-encompassing, all things at all times. you see how broad he's getting here? Having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Is it all for you? No. He's going to give you everything you need, everything that is important in your life in order for you to do everything that Christ wants to accomplish in your life. He has a confidence in that. You see, for us to understand what the angels are saying is to understand we are favored. We are favored. And because we're favored, we can be content. We can be content to know that our God is going to work in our life. He's going to use our life according to His purpose. And we can be confident that He's going to supply us with everything we need to bring that glory even to the highest heaven. He will bless us because we receive that word of angels and we are favored. And the joy is 365. Because each day we get to enjoy where we are on the journey to where God is taking us. Every day for the rest of 2010, we can wake up with such incredible joy contentment and confidence and just say, look, God, I'm excited for what you're going to do today. I'm excited to discover what this day is going to hold on the journey of where you take me today because I know you're taking me somewhere that you want me to be because I am favored. And if I'm favored, I am joyful. 365. What the angels want us to understand is that that favor is the most valuable thing that we can look to in our life because the world wants us to look somewhere else. The world wants to grab us and have us begin to look somewhere else. It wants us to look for value in other places and other people's lives. It wants to move our hearts and move our minds and move our understanding and begin to look beyond Christ and look somewhere else out into the world and say, oh, gee, if I just had a new house or a bigger house or if I just had a nicer car or if I just had a different job or if I just had this or if I just had this in my life, then things would be really good. And the angels want you to understand right where you are right now is absolutely incredible because you're favored when you receive Christ Jesus. God's favor, then, is most valuable to us. Solomon, one of the wisest men who ever walked the face of the earth, he realizes this when he writes in Ecclesiastes. He says, Then I realize that we work and do wonderful things just because we are jealous of others. This makes no more sense than chasing the wind. 
What did Solomon realize? Contentment comes when we live in Christ. Discontentment. Okay? Our lives get out of whack. Discontentment comes when we spend our lives trying to keep up with the Joneses. When we spend our lives trying to measure ourselves over and against others. Because there's always going to be somebody else. There's always going to be somebody else who has more or has this or has that. There's always going to be, right? Solomon wants us to understand that that is wasting our life. Paul wants Timothy to understand that. He wrote to young Timothy. He described it this way. See, as you listen to these words, if anybody comes to mind out there that you know. You ready? People will love only themselves and money. They will be proud, stuck up, rude, and disobedient to their parents. They will also be ungrateful, godless, heartless, and hateful. Their words will be cruel, and they'll have no self-control or pity. Those people will hate everything that is good. They will be sneaky, reckless, and puffed up with pride. Instead of loving God, they will love pleasure. Even though they will make a show of being religious, their religion won't be real. What's his conclusion? Don't have anything to do with such people. See, Paul is warning Timothy about the way the world measures its value. And if you measure it that way, you're never going to find contentment and you're never going to find joy in each day. God understood that. He made it very clear back in Exodus. He gave us a clear word of warning. It's uh, in those commandments, remember? If you go back to Exodus 20, when he says, You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or his female servant, his ox or his donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. You see, who is the focus of attention there? You're always looking at your neighbor. You see that? You're always measuring yourself over and against your neighbor. The word of warning is, don't waste your life seeking the value that the world wants to try to lead you to. Seek your life in the contentment and the confidence of being favored in Christ. Paul gives Timothy this word. The love of money can cause all kinds of trouble. Some people want money so much that they've given up their faith and caused themselves a lot of pain. Timothy, now look at these words. You belong to God. So keep away from all these evil things. Try your best to please God and to be like Him. Be faithful, loving, dependable, and gentle. Fight a good fight for the faith and claim eternal life. What's Paul's advice? Be favored. Be favored. Recognize the value, the incredible contentment and confidence that comes from living that life that says, Jesus Christ is at the center and Lord of my life, and I am just going to live as his favored one. Benjamin Franklin once said, Content makes poor men rich. Discontent makes rich men poor. Get it? The scripture wants us to understand, the angels want us to hear loud and clear that the gift to us of Christmas is Joy 365, 
because we have a peace the world can't understand and we are favored. We are favored. Hebrews 13 says, Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. Contentment and confidence because we're favored. And when the shepherds heard it, look at the reaction in their life. It says, The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God from all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as been told them. Friends, Joy 365 comes when you wake up in the morning and you let Jesus Christ be the Lord of that day. And you just rest in the contentment and you, you act in the confidence that says, Christ is my life. And my life is about bringing glory to the highest heaven. And this day, I choose to be joyful because of Christ. I choose to listen to the words of the host of angels in the sky. I choose to say, this day is about bringing glory to the highest heaven and honor to Jesus Christ. And be content with it and confident in it. And let that be the most valuable thing in the day. It is Joy 365. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the journey we've been on this Christmas. Ah, Boy, we ask. Help it to be not just a time in a few weeks where we know the joy of Christmas. But help it to be every day. Every day. Keep us mindful of those words that angels spoke to shepherds and so have spoken to us in these weeks, that we can know that joy just because Jesus Christ is in the world and he is in our lives. And when he's present, we can do all things that he chooses us to do. We can know that joy that lifts us beyond all the circumstances of this life and gives us a contentment and a confidence that will endure to eternity. Father, help us as 2010 opens up to be people of joy. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please stand and sing with us.